that David gives God's recipe for love. Oh, yes. God, David gives God's recipe for love. I, I doubt that any other minister has ever used Psalm 34 uh, for a message on love. Uh, but as I was thinking about the message, and I told the people last week I was going to preach on the first part of uh, Psalm 34, that that would be a part two message. Part one was going to be first, okay? We did part one first, and now we're going to part two. And so it's the second half of Psalm 34. And uh, as I was thinking about it, I thought, well, you know what tomorrow is. Everybody knows what tomorrow, what is tomorrow? Okay, there, there is somebody that ha does not have romance in their heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just Monday. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we know that a lot of people are anxious about Valentine's Day. When I was in school, and it's been years ago, uh, as a, as a, uh, Pre-high school especially, you know, we were supposed to take Valentines in. Uh, I'm sure mother put my name on a bunch of Valentines. And then I took them to school, and they were passed out. And, and, uh, and then we had, you know, those little Valentine uh, candy pieces that have the sayings on them. Uh, you stole my heart. Uh, uh, what are some of the others that? sayings on those things cutie pie what else mine love yeah yeah and yeah and uh, I don't think they had that one Tom <laughs> yeah I think I don't re recall that one but uh, yeah anyway there were a lot of different sayings that were supposed to make you think about love so uh, as I looked at this psalm, uh, I felt like that I ought to use that title, David Gives God's Recipe for Love. And uh, you will find out that there is actually a foundation for what I said, uh, for, for the title that I came up with. And so we're going we're gonna to look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is a wonderful psalm. And it's a good psalm uh, to commit to memory. Uh, a lot of great verses in the psalm. And it's something that we ought to do, too. Uh, because David says that uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. So it's something we ought to do. So we'll look at this. We'll read this scripture. Before we do that, uh, let's stand together. Uh, so we can stand for honoring God's word, then we'll have a prayer. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me 
and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. So now we're to the end of part one of my message. Now we're going to the verses that will go to part two of my message. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. There is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life, and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open under their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you again this morning. We ask for your special blessing on this time as we look at the word. We thank you for this precious psalm and for other scriptures that go along with it. And we pray, dear Lord, that you'll help us to receive from the hand of God this morning, the living bread that will nourish our souls and build us up in the most holy faith. We pray, dear Lord, you'll have your hand upon various members of our congregation that are going through difficult times. We pray, Lord, especially for your continued touch on Phyllis Walpert. We thank you that she's improved, and we pray, dear Lord, you'll continue to keep your hand upon her. Lord, we pray that you'd have your hand upon others that we know are absent from us and that have maybe even a surgery planned or, or scheduled that we haven't been informed of. We pray have your hand upon each of them. We ask, dear Lord, for your continued presence with us this morning. And Lord, we pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to the truth of God's word. Make us better for this time together this morning. We ask all these favors in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, uh, in introducing the message, this is an acrostic psalm. If you, could, if you could read Hebrew, you'd know that the first letter of every verse is a successive letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So... Uh, verse 1, verse 2, so forth, A, B, if it was English, 
uh, acrostic. And uh, we made mention of the fact that one letter is missing. Uh, also, uh, I learned that two le one letter is repeated twice, and the last verse uh, is not part of the acrostic. Uh, so uh, for those of you that are interested in that, a little more information on that. Um, the, uh, the, the great thing about this psalm is, uh, it is it is something that has to do with our lives every day. Uh, you notice the psalmist says that uh, we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Uh, how could that relate at all to love? It is because God is the source of love, isn't he? Um, God, the scripture tells us that God is love. Uh, not that he is like love, not that he is full of love, but it says that God is love. And when we, when we taste of God's goodness and grace in our lives, uh, love is implanted in our hearts, folks. Um, I remember as a teenager, kids would be into a, a strife type of relationship with other kids in the church. Uh, there would be a quarrel going on. Uh, one wouldn't speak to another and so forth. I'm, I'm sure that some of those things went on with adults too. But I know when we had revival services and people, people got right with the Lord, that those walls of resentment and ill feelings crumbled, just like the walls of Jericho fell down. Those walls came down and uh, people began to forgive. And I remember young people hugging each other at an altar of prayer and they were forgiving and they were letting things go that they had held onto as resentment in their lives. Uh, when Jesus comes into our heart, it gives us a peace and a joy and it, it gives us the very substance of love itself in our lives. Um, we need that, folks, when we go out into this world. So I'm not talking about romantic love at this time. I'm talking about the kind of feelings that we need in our heart that give us concern, compassion, consideration for other people that we meet out in the world. I have found that when I go into rest homes, when I go into the hospital or wherever, I, I actually look for an opportunity to compliment people on what they're doing, uh, to let them know, and it's not just those kind of places, but it's other places where uh, maybe Sam's Club, uh, maybe uh, Walmart, wherever. Uh, I try to let people know that I appreciate what they're doing. And folks, today, if you ever had appreciation for people that are willing to work and willing to serve, it ought to be today because many are unwilling to do anything. They just want to take a government payout and they want to set back and they, they, they do not want to be involved 
in working or serving. Um, I was an auto mechanic for years, and I really appreciate when I go someplace and people that are taking care of my automobile are willing to work on it, and I know they're going to do a good, honest job. It does not mean they're going to be perfect. Uh, you know, somewhere or other, uh, when, I was, when I was in auto repair, it was like if you touch it and something goes wrong somewhere else, you did it. Uh, it's, it's your fault, and, and I'm going to hold you responsible. Uh, and so uh, with some people, you kind of held your breath. Uh, you hoped nothing else would go wrong. Uh, you were going to take care of, of their problem, uh, but you didn't want to be responsible for every other part of the car that you had nothing to do with. But people get that idea that, you know, if it was working and then you touched it, it's your fault. If, if, uh, if you worked on the brakes and it doesn't start the next morning, you did something. It's your fault. Well, if you don't know about that, you live a little bit longer and uh, you will find out about that. So uh, I appreciate people that are willing to work and willing to serve, whether they're Christian or not. Uh, I like to let them know that I appreciate them. And uh, uh, whether it's the person to drive through window uh, that's shoving the food out or wherever it is, uh, appreciation goes a long way. And... It makes them remember you folks. If you are kind and pleasant and nice to people, it makes them remember you. And it opens doors of witness for you. If you want to say a word about Jesus, if you want to say a word about the church, inviting people to church, do we do, we do that anymore? I know some of you do, but we ought to be looking for opportunities to invite people to come to God's house. Uh, you, you remember me telling you that the, the way I met Paul St. John uh, there on he lived neighbor to me about two doors away from me uh, Paul was out doing something uh, around the, the road there when he, had, he and, and uh, uh, Sue had moved into the property and uh, I didn't know them uh, and I don't recall now, I think I was on the tractor and he was out by the road and I stopped by and introduced myself and uh, I said uh, something about him being new, yeah. Well, we have a church down there at Raymond and love for you to come. Uh, I wanted to know if I could help him with something and uh, I couldn't at that time, but uh, you know how faithful Paul and Sue were to come and work and be involved. You never know. Who's waiting on an invitation from a nice person? They don't have to be a Christian person that, at the time. You invite them and give God a chance to work in their lives. But how important it is to have a heart full of love. And I've told you that when I worked at Honda, um, I was amazed at the people that, wanted to be friends with me. Some of them were pretty rough individuals. Uh, some, of them were, some of them were very uh, coarse individuals in their language. Uh, but 
I held the line on what was right. Uh, I had, this will seem strange to you probably, but I had, I had a, a woman that was a cursor. She would, she would cuss and so forth. And she said, what do you say when you're aggravated at something? Uh, she didn't know how to express uh, anger or frustration or something uh, when something was going wrong. I actually had to give her some words she could say instead of curse words uh, when something was going wrong. And, and I'm not sure if that's the same lady now, but there's a lady that worked there and uh, uh, she still sends me, she lives in Carolina now, North Carolina. She sends me a Christmas card every year. I haven't seen her for years, but she still sends me a Christmas card every year, and I send one back to her. Uh, but that's the only way I know her was from Honda. And so if, if you have love in your heart, it goes a long way out there in dealing with and working with the public and working with your own problems. <coughs> so uh, we have the idea of love uh, because of what God has done in our own hearts and lives. It makes a big difference in, in your relationship with other people if your relationship with God is right. And, and when you go out in the world you know that you're forgiven. You know that Christ is with you, that God is working on your behalf. <coughs> and it gives you a sense of satisfaction and confidence. And even when you meet the nasty people, and there will be people that are nasty, there will be people that will try to get your anger up and, and get you to be mad at them. Uh, you, can, you can deal with that. You can ask God how to help you deal with it and how to help them see that there's a better way instead of the way they're taking. So <coughs> we're told to fear the Lord. Uh, there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger. Uh, an old lion, you could understand being hungry, couldn't you? A young lion should have full energy and strength and be able to run down the prey. So you wouldn't think a young lion, unless there was a shortage of animals that they could prey upon, uh, you wouldn't think that a young lion would have any difficulty running down uh, whatever it is, an antelope or whatever it is, and having something to eat. The psalmist here, David says, it's possible that the young lions could lack and they could be hungry. But if you seek the Lord, he's not hard to find. You don't have to run him down. He's there very close and he's there for your needs. You don't have to chase him down like a young lion would chase down a prey. So then he says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I'm going to teach you the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? It's not the kind of fear that we talk about where you're quaking. <coughs> and where 
you want to avoid him, but it is the fear that is that which gives all in his presence, that he is, he is a wonderful Lord, and uh, we can never fully appreciate all that he is. Uh, it is a fear that gives wonder at what he is and what he has done. It is the kind of fear that brings worship to us. He is beyond anyone else that we ever could know. And it is the kind of fear that is reverence. We have reverence for him. Um, you know, uh, things have changed a lot, and a lot of people do not even know what reverence is anymore for spiritual things, uh, for holy things, but that is the kind of fear that is being expressed here when David says that, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And he says, come ye children. Uh, so he's talking to the younger generation, evidently. They have, the younger generation has to be taught proper respect and reverence for the things of God. Uh, we were always taught when we came in church as men, not as women, because I was never taught as a woman. But as a man, I was taught to take my hat off when I came into the church. Uh, I mean, that's something that we did uh, even in going into somebody's house. A lot of times we'd take our hat off. Uh, but especially going into a place of worship. Uh, and it's something that not a lot of people practice. Uh, not everyone practices, I should say. Uh, but it is, uh, it's just respect. It is respect, and that's why it is done. So David says we should teach the younger ones the fear of the Lord or respect and reverence for God. And then he goes into verse 12 here. Now this is where this is where I felt like uh, the Lord bailed me out on this title, uh, because it says, "What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good?" Now, if that's the only place that was, I guess I could let my imagination roll. But I found this ver this scripture over in the book of First Peter, and. So, uh, First Peter, when Peter's talking and writing about this, in chapter three of First Peter, when when you when you go back in in chapter three and you look back beyond verse eight, uh, it says that uh, there's things that uh, are proper and right to do. Uh, it talks about Sarah and her relationship with Abraham, her husband, uh, and how she respected him. Uh, and, and then it says, likewise ye husbands, uh, dwell with the wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, uh, taking into consideration uh, the difference that is in her own self being a woman, uh, she's, she has weaknesses just like a man has 
limitations. Uh, you you want a woman to give you ideas on uh, what's going to make something pretty in the house, so, something um, maybe uh, that is going to give uh, decor. Uh, but when when something needs to be moved, you don't usually think of going to a woman uh, to move something that's going to take some might and some strength. And I know that there are exceptions to that, but generally you think of of the the woman as being weaker than the man. And I guess I could digress just long enough to say, I say hooray for those states that are passing laws that men, even if they've taken drugs that make them think they're like a woman, that they can go in and compete against women. I say pass those laws and keep those men out of women's sports. Girls have worked years in order to get uh, recognized as being top in their sports and then you have a man come in that uh, has bigger larger lung capacity uh, that because he is a man uh, he has he has different physique and and build uh, I say uh, shut him out and even even uh, somebody that I lost respect for um, Bruce Jenner is even speaking out about men going in and acting like they're women and taking over the titles that women have won through their sports. So uh, the scripture says that we are, as husbands and wives, uh, there's to be consideration. And then verse 8 goes into uh, more of a general category. So we're not talking about just romantic love. We're not talking about love between a husband and wife. And you know, sometimes that gets very strained, doesn't it? Uh, and the same rules apply. There has to be courtesy and respect and understanding. Uh, do you remember the story I told you some time ago? Some of you weren't here, so you couldn't remember it. <clears throat> about the man that was bragging about uh, what, uh, what he had accomplished because uh, of his uh, uh, authority uh, over his wife. And he said, actually, he said, my wife was on her knees begging me. And uh, somebody else found out that actually she was on her knees looking under the bed saying come out from the bed you coward and fight like a man uh, so a lot of men want the woman to be humbled and to be uh, a servant but the Bible doesn't teach that and so it goes into a more general category here where Peter says finally be ye all of one mind now you say, preacher, where are you going with this? Because I don't see Psalm 34 anywhere in here. But uh, if you look on down a little bit further, you will find Psalm 34. And your Bible may have a notation of that. Uh, verse 10 starts in the same language as what Psalm 34 does. For he that will love life and see good days... So we're coming to that, so I wanted to establish that, 
that I'm not just going out into outer space here. There it is in verse 10. Peter starts quoting Psalm 34. So verse 8 says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be, in other words, be sympathetic for people that are having problems. It's a great thing when people understand the problems that others are going through and feel compassion and love for them and do what they can to help. Be courteous. Be courteous. That goes a long way, whether you're husband and wife, if you're in the home, and this goes for young people, if you can think of ways to be courteous and to be of, of use in the home, it doesn't mean that uh, you do everything right or suddenly uh, it's as though you, you became angelic. But if you look at jobs you can do to help out a little bit instead of being nagged to do them. Uh, will you do this? Will you, will you clean your room? Uh, will, will you take the trash out? Will you, you know, whatever. Uh, instead of being pressured all the time, if you will think about, the Bible tells me to be considerate, to be courteous, I want my parents to know that I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I love them too. And I want to make their life a little bit better. I know that other people are putting pressure on them, but I want to show them that I appreciate them and I love them. And you know, if you do that and then you invite your parents to come to church, they might actually think about it. They might, they might actually think, well, that's a good thing because I've seen a change come in my child's life, in my, in my teenager's life. They're a better person than what they used to be. And maybe, just maybe, something that they're, they're doing has, has taken place because of what has happened at church. So <clears throat> he says, be courteous not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but on the other hand, blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. So that's what Jesus taught, that when people say evil things against us, that instead of coming back at them in a hateful manner, we should show love and we should show concern, and we should try to make the situation better. Now, here's, here's Psalm 34, at least in Peter's quotation. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile, that they are not deceitful, that you're not lying that you're not making things up, but that you are being honest. Uh, let him eschew evil or turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it or ensue it. Uh, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. 
the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so Peter quotes this in the life of the church as to how people, not only in the church but in society, church people should react <coughs> and how they should behave. And so we are instructed that if we want our lives to count for Christ, then we should put Jesus' teaching into practice, which is to turn away from coming back at people with harsh words and critical comments. Uh, I remember uh, David Jeremiah telling the story that uh, he unintentionally pulled in front of somebody that was going through the drive-through line for the food at, a, at one, of the, one of the restaurants. And he didn't mean to get ahead of somebody, that he was just faster than they were. And uh, they thought that he cut them off. Uh, they had no idea who he was, they didn't know he was a preacher. Uh, but he got in front of them, and, and this, it was a woman that was behind him, and she was just gone off. He could see her in the mirror. Uh, she, was, she was visibly uh, upset and mad because he was ahead of her. And so he got up to the window. Uh, she still was upset because of him being ahead of her. And when he got to the window and ordered his food and paid for it, uh, he said, uh, tell me how much the order costs behind me. I want to pay for that one too. And so he paid for the person behind him. And he said then uh, he pulled on out of the drive through lane and just kind of paused a little bit to watch in his mirror when they came up. And when the person at the drive through window told him, that the car ahead had paid for their meal entirely. Uh, there, was, there was quite a difference in their demeanor and in, in their appearance uh, when they found out that he had paid for their food too. Uh, we won't do everything perfect, but we can try to make up for things and try to be kind to people. I, I still try to be a good person on the road. It's awful hard. Uh, that's one of the most difficult things uh, when people are uh, almost running you off the road and getting on your bumper and, and acting like they're going to push you if you don't go over the speed limit. And I usually go a little bit over, but they want me to go uh, 15 or 20 mile an hour over the speed limit. Uh, you know, I have actually pulled off the road uh, in more in a country setting and just let someone go around me. <laughs> just let them go on. And God bless you. <laughs> I, I'll just get out of your way. You go on where you're going. Uh, truckers are, are more aggressive than ever. And they scare me. Because they're driving those big rigs. And sometimes they're just on you. Uh, they're just like they don't care. So we have to remember who we are. We have to remember and we ask, have to ask God to help us to be the people he wants us to be and to show love wherever we are. If it's with our friends, if it's with our family, if it's in our church, uh, 
we need to have enough love to show this generation that there's a better way of doing things. And we need to pray for those that are in positions of authority that they'll do the right thing, that they will follow God's will, and that uh, God somehow will help them to make right decisions. So there are a lot of places I could go on that. I'm not going to do that, but I want a couple things I want to mention to you. You know that part of this psalm where it says, uh, verse 20, uh, he keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. You know that that was used in the crucifixion of Jesus as a prophecy, that none of his bones would be broken. And it was, it was customary to break the legs of those who were crucified. Uh, they, they broke the thieves' legs, but when they came to Jesus, uh, they did not break his bones because they saw he was already dead. That's John 19, 33 to 36. <clears throat> You'll find that. So uh, a couple other things I wanted to mention. Um, it says evil shall slay the wicked. Um, and bad people do meet bad ends a lot of times. Uh, a lot of things, shootings and things that are going on today uh, evil has slain those that are involved in wicked practices. Uh, but the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants. We, we cannot save ourselves, and this verse is outside the acrostic, but David says that the Lord redeems our soul, and that means he buys us back. He buys us back from the devil, from the things of evil and sin. Another thing I want you to notice is uh, that the, the righteous cry and the Lord hears. Um, it, it says that the eyes of the Lord in verse 15 are upon the righteous. Folks, those are great verses. If you just want to remember a part of a verse, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. What does that mean? God's watching you. God sees you. God knows the problems you're having. His ears are open under their cry. So when you cry out to the Lord, the Lord is listening. The Lord is listening. Just like a mother listens for her baby to cry and goes to their aid, the Lord is listening when we cry out to him. And the Bible says that, yeah, we have a lot of trouble, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but we have a different outcome, folks. We have a different outcome. We have a Jesus that's taken care. There's a plan for our lives. Many are the afflictions, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. So there's a happy ending, folks. There's a happy ending coming. The Bible promises it, and I'm so glad for what God has revealed to us here in Psalm 34 and how that uh, we have the promise of his presence and love and that we can have his love implanted in our hearts and that we can, we can know that he's on our side, whatever we're going through. So I wanted to encourage you with, with that this morning. Uh, and I hope, you know, if you just get a little bit, if you just take one thing, you know, if you just take one thing,
if you just take one thing, say, well, I got one thing. I got one thing out of the pastor's message. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that one thing. I'm going to make this part of my life because I want to take something away from this service and I want it to impact my life and I want it to make me better around others that are around about me. So God bless you this morning. Will you stand with me?